Of course, this is a little bit strange for all of us. Some of you are sitting in the in your living rooms or other places watching me on television and I'm looking at I can look down at a screen and see see that I should have put makeup on this morning uh, would look better uh, well maybe not we'll not sure how I look but uh, I'm thankful that you're all there as John said there seems to be around 140 viewers at this time and that's great um, and I hope that the message and what Chip will say later will be of an encouragement to you and this week, as, we, as I was thinking and praying and about what to share with you all, um, I find myself in a little bit of a, and, and this is not uh, abnormal, this happens really every week, kind of a catch-22 situation. Uh, I know I, some feedback I've had, uh, people want a lesson on the coronavirus, a virus lesson. And some people say, oh, please don't. That's all we hear about all week long. And so if I speak about it, that's a good thing for some and a bad thing for some. And if I don't, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing for some. And so I'm kind of in this, this uh, situation of I want to bring a message that's encouragement, but I don't want it to be focused on uh, uh, a particular topic, a medical topic. I'm not your medical advisor. You've been told over and over what to do, wash your hands, stay away from people, things like that. Uh, some of you may be concerned about your finances. I'm not your financial advisor. Move money around here or there, you know, the stock market's going up and down. I'm not your political advisor. Uh, some vote for me and things will be better type, type thing. But I am, in some sense, your spiritual advisor. Uh, I've been pointing you through the scripture to the Lord for, well, I've been here since 1987 in one capacity or, or another, but for the past, uh, going on 15 years now, uh, you're a preacher, and I hope what I've been doing is pointing you and giving you the right direction to prepare for today. And that's what I'm gonna talk about is today. Winston Churchill wrote in his book, The Second World War, of regarding his readiness to lead the country, the country of Great Britain, he said, I felt as if I were walking with destiny and that all my past life had been but a preparation for this hour and this trial. I thought I knew a great deal about it. I was sure I should not fail. And so we have been really preparing as a church for a long time for this hour. And it's time to look at yourself and say, see if you can say, as Winston Churchill said, I know a great deal about it all, and I'm sure I will not fail. And what is this moment that I'm talking about? Am I talking about the coronavirus moment? Nope, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about today. Are you ready for today? Have you prepared for today? In Hebrews chapter three and four, the writer there four times uses this word today. He's quoting a scripture and four times he uses the word today. And he says, he's basically saying, are you ready for whatever today 
may bring to you. Let me read verse 15 of one of the four places where he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And the point of the scripture anchors us in today. The point of the whole of scripture is saying, are you prepared for today? Because you see, Satan is at work in this world. And to the extent the Bible often uses the word world or worldly for anything that is opposing God and his ways. And his whole point is to distract you on what you need to be focusing on today. We have a unique crisis going on right now. I understand that. But next week, it could be something different. Next month, it certainly will be. Next year, we'll have another problem or another crisis. There's always going to be something. The world is always going to be delivering something and giving us something, uh, challenging us in some way, challenging our faith in some way. And it's like a batter. He's up, a uh, baseball batter. He's, he's ready to, he's at the plate. And he doesn't know what the, the pitcher's going to throw at him. Uh, he, does, he never knows what's coming at him. A curveball, a uh, fastball, changeup, a sinker, slider, knuckleball. He doesn't know. And the pitcher might even purposefully send a... Uh, a, a, a slow pitch to, to him or, or, or a ball to try and get you to strike at something that you shouldn't be even striking at. And so Satan does that. Uh, uh, he, he throws crisis after crisis into our lives. Uh, it could be marital problems, financial problems, sickness, child rearing, family issues, job problems, all these things, but like the batter, the batter has one job, and that is to hit the ball. That's all he's supposed to do. And like us, we only have one job. We're standing at the plate. Satan is throwing all sorts of pitches to us, but we have one job, and we're going to look at what that one thing is. And we're going to do that by turning over to Psalms chapter 95, because when... when um, the Hebrew writer quotes this verse. You can see in your footnotes, he quotes from Psalms 95, today if you hear his voice. And it's further down in the psalm. The psalm is only 11 verses long, but he begins that around verse 8. Uh, and we know this psalm. We sing this psalm. Uh, let, let me read it to you. He says in verse 1, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him, extol him with music and song. And I can't even read that without the cadence of the song. We all know that song, right? I'm looking around at my audience, see if they're listening. Yeah. So it, comes, it goes along something like this, and now you'll know why I'm not a song leader. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Uh, Rodney's really liking this. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So you get the, the, but it keeps going. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Ed likes this. In the hands are the depths of his earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The seas are his, he made it. 
and his hands formed the dry land. So we know this song. We sing this, right? And then the next verses continue this, but it's a different song, and we sing this song too. Come, let us bow in worship. I'm not going to try and sing this one. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And the whole point of this is to point us to how great God is, he creates everything, and how he cares for us like we're sheep, like he's the shepherd. And that's the whole point of the, the beginning of this, uh, of this psalm. And then we get into the verses that are quoted in Hebrews that no one ever writes music to. And it continues, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah and as you did that day at Massa in the desert where, you, where, where your fathers tested and tried me though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So here's a song that, it, that ends, and so they will never enter my rest. You know, the Psalms usually have a problem at the beginning, and at the end, it ends with God is going to take care of us. And you can look at Psalms 96 at the end where it says, they will sing before the Lord when he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his truths. Verse 97, uh, chapter 97, Psalm 97, rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Psalms 99, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. And yet in this psalm, he ends with, they shall never enter my rest. Why don't we sing that song? We could. Same cadence as the other song we sang. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion where your fathers tested me and tried me though they had seen what I did. Can you imagine the, uh, the uh, people saying, I hate that psalm. It never it, it ends wrong. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declare an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. How do you like that song? And yet this, the whole point of this psalm is, listen, how are you handling today? We like to sing the psalm of how great God is and how wonderful he is and how powerful he is and how mighty he is and how he takes care of us and how he shepherds us and how he uh, uh, watches over us and how he has concern for us. And then we never stop with our responsibility. How are you handling today? And he says, today, if you're listening to him, if you hear his voice, what is your response to today? And that's a very important question. You know, you may say, you know, this this time this virus thing isn't bothering me it's it's kind of sweet my life is sweet right now I'm an introvert and I get to stay at home this is wonderful I'm not having any problems that's that's very possible and those people whose life is sweet you need to realize 
that that's also how Satan works. That's how he works today. He will make your life sweet if it takes you off the focus of God. That's all, he, that, all, all that Satan wants. If a nice life will take you off the focus of God, he doesn't mind giving you a life, nice life. So that verse 12 of chapter 3 of, of Hebrews, so whatever turns you away from the living God, that's all he's concerned about. Whatever turns you away from a God-centered life, whatever turns you away from a Christ-focused living, whatever moves you away from spirit-directed thinking and distracts you from today, what you need to be doing today is what he wants to do. The whole tenor of the scripture is to teach you how to live today. I was given this cup. Let's see if I can put it up here. This cup for a, a Christmas gift. Uh, one of those, you go to a party. Turn it, move it this way. Okay. You go to a party and you have these exchange of gifts. Well, this is one of the gifts I had a couple of Christmases ago. And it says there, if you can see it, be calm and be fabulous. Yeah, keep calm, excuse me. Keep calm and be fabulous. And those words are not found in the Bible, but that concept certainly is. Whatever's going on today, those are two good things for you to think about. I need to keep calm and I need to be fabulous. Keep calm. The word there that I'm thinking about is peace. And there's a lot of places you can go to, to the, in the Bible that talks about peace. But John chapter 14 is a very familiar passage. And it says there, starting in verse 26, which is important before we read verse 27. He says, but the counselor, and some translation says the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will, re, and will remind you of everything that I said to you. And so he puts the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, basically saying that through their work, they are going to teach you how to live. They're going to teach you everything you need to know. Uh, that's why the Holy Spirit has come, to teach you everything that Jesus has said to us. And then he gives you the result of that in the next verse. Peace, I leave, you, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And that's so important. How do you handle today? Are you calm? Are you at peace? Are you at peace in the Lord? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. There's no reason. And if your heart is troubled and if you are afraid, then spiritually speaking, you are, you are not taking God's word seriously. You're not taking Jesus' word seriously. You really don't believe what he says because that's what he told you. He said, do not be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. And am I, I'm not talking about the virus. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about whatever comes your way, whatever struggle you have in your life, you need to deal with today in the peace of Christ. And then be fabulous. And there's a ton of places we can go there. We're not fabulous by our, in our own merit, in our own strength. But we're fabulous because God created us to be that way in his new birth. You are his child. I just wrote down a few things. You are his child. You are beloved. 
You are new. You are given power. You're permeated with the fruit of the Spirit. You have a better life. You have a better hope. You have encouragement. You have faith. You have all these things. It's fabulous. We can be fabulous because God has made you fabulous. You have a choice. You can live out this new life or you can live out your life according to the pattern, according to the template that the world cuts out for you. It's really your choice. I'm going to tell you a story and then we'll be, we'll be finished. A writer, a Christian writer named Rick Ezell tells this story in one of his, in one of his books. And he tells the story of a professor who was, uh, was going to speak on a military base, was invited to speak on a military base. And so he flies into the base and was immediately met there by a soldier. And the soldier was to take him to, you know, where he's supposed to go. But as they picked up the luggage, this soldier continued to, uh, to stop along the way. At one point, he helped a lady whose, whose luggage, an older lady whose luggage had opened up, and he helped her put things back in and close the luggage up. Uh, they came across an, an area where some children were trying to see Santa Claus. There's a bunch of children around uh, uh, Santa in, in the uh, airport. And so he lifted uh, one of the children up so they could see Santa and then another one up. And he did several things like that. And the professor asked him, where, where did you learn to do that? And he said, learn to do what? He said, learn to be courteous and helpful and considerate. And he said, I think I learned that in Vietnam, in the war. He said, I was a minefield operator. I cleared mines, and I saw several of my buddies step on mines and were killed stepping on those mines. And he said, so what I learned at that moment, he said, I never knew if my next step would be my last. So I learned how to live between the steps. And then Rick ends his, right, his, this, his, uh, this section by saying, a grace-filled life is living between the steps. It understands the remarkable gift of today. Are we living a grace-filled life? Are we living between the steps? Are we living for today the way God has called us to live? And that's a choice that each of us needs to make. Thank you.